Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, Mark Morrow. How are hey, you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Awesome. Just, I was having a look around when I came in, we're situated in your lovely studio, yeah, down in right. the Leaf Depot. Yeah, yeah. Is, uh, is it something you've kind of built up over time, the studio? Have you kind yeah, of- so I moved in here, um, I was trying to think of this the other day actually, I think it was about five and a half years ago I've been in here now, and when I moved in it was, it was actually, so the, this is going to be passed down different people, um, so it was all these rooms are already built, which is handy obviously, and it had been running as a studio for, I don't know, a good 15 years or something like that. Yeah, all the rooms are already built. And um, I just kind of moved all my stuff in and kind of did a bit of decorating and hanging fairy lights. And <laughs> what did of, it used to be before it was a studio? Before it was a studio. So there's a lighthouse um, at the end of this unit. So basically a lighthouse and then there's a big warehouse, which is what we're situated in just now. And it was owned by the um, Scottish Water Board or Waterfront or something like that. And I think it was, I've, I've tried to kind of look up the history of this, but I think it was a test lighthouse because we're not actually on the, um, on the coast here. We're close by, but yeah, we're, we're not, close we're by, not but we're not right on, on the coast, so it's kind of a bit weird to have a lighthouse there. So I, as far as I'm aware, they were using that as a sort of testing, and this was like the big warehouse where they'd keep everything in it. And this actual room that we're in just now, minus the divisions, so when, when this was like a room, it's a concrete shell where apparently they kept explosive stuff. So yeah. if there was a fire in here, it'd be contained into this room only, and it wouldn't burn the whole building down, which kind of helps to keep, I guess, sound in here for, as to a certain extent and also heat because it's it's a big old building so yeah. like yeah it kind of keeps it cozy in here and kind of um, stuff but obviously this is a room built inside of that um when did it get uh turned into a studio um i couldn't tell you the exact date but yeah roughly 15 maybe 16 17 years ago it opened as the lighthouse studio by a guy called manny who built all the rooms and funnily enough like my band back when we were however old at that time 16 17 were due to record in here which um, band was we were called the void at the time so that turned into the winter tradition which was my last band and we were due to record with manny in this room it ended up falling through for whatever reason but yeah. it's quite funny how we're here now how many bands um, have you been is it just the two or yeah so the winter tradition was my band said we started that uh, well under a different name but the same sort of you know progress and all the rest of it but it was the same band we started that when i was 14 31 now so um we were in that band for about 14 years um which was great it was good fun and you know we kind of we're all at school together and kind of built up and you know all the sort of rock nights at school and kind of going through that and then when we left school we kept it going and that's how actually how i got into recording and producing music is recording my own band during school we had a like a small recording studio at our school in edinburgh and um just quite a natural progression i guess isn't it yeah and just kind of worked on my own band stuff and ewan who was a singer in the winter tradition and is the bassist in my band just now folder uh him and i used to just sit in the studio um 
and try and recreate our favorite songs. So we were really into bands like Jimmy Eat World and Death Cab for Cutie and stuff like that, and like just try and figure out how they were making things sound like they did. So we would try and like recreate a song, but try and recreate it exactly or as close as we could get it to, and figure out like, oh, how do we get the kick drum to sound like this? And just experimenting with things. You must have learned a lot from doing that, though. Yeah, yeah, it was good fun, and I mean. Our grades took a hit because we just used to spend <laughs> all our time in the, and I say recording studio it was like a tiny wee room with a. It was like it was a it was an analog desk, but it went straight onto like a hard disk recorder, and then you had to export it onto mini disk. Remember, you're probably too young for nah. mini disk, so like yeah, uh, it wasn't like. <laughs> Is it like floppy disk? Yeah, kind of. It was like the I don't even know why they came up with mini disk. It was kind of after cd and they were trying to i guess I, I don't even know but it was it was onto mini disc it was like a wee hard sort of mini disc <laughs> that kind of flopped after a couple of years but yeah the art, for some reason the studio burnt everything to mini disc so we had to like take it away on mini disc and then try and convert it to other things to actually listen to it have you still but, got them the mini disc so probably my dad's probably got them somewhere like he's he's quite a um a collector of all these things. like every everything i've done in a band like my dad's got it somewhere so probably <laughs> are you the same are you quite the same? Uh, you the stuff not or? as much i mean i try like in the studio i like collect things as you can kind of see around the place but like i don't know yeah we've i've still probably got I, yeah i probably still have everything from from bands that i've personally been in somewhere in an attic somewhere or whatever i, I, I actually found the um the banner for we had a big this is the winter tradition my last band a big show at, um probably our biggest show that we'd ever done in edinburgh liquid rooms we got this huge banner made up for it, and I found that in my attic the other night. Well, like that hang um, would like hang behind the stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was. I mean, it was massive. It was probably the size of this this whole wall. Did you do caves um, as well? We no, yeah, we played the caves, but we it wasn't like a headline show. Like our yeah. biggest one was the liquid rooms, and we we almost sold the liquid rooms out with the balcony and everything now, which was quite. That's pretty good. That was yeah, seven hundred, just under seven hundred. I think we had about six fifty there, or just over six hundred, or something like that. Um, that'd be nowadays you would have just called it a sellout yeah I know we were like I think we did call it a sellout on all our sort of press things and it looked you know we had it all filmed and stuff then and it looked like it was sold out so yeah we we, we, we called it a sold out but we, like that was our first show that we thought about like the production as a whole so we had like a full we had a lighting guy that came in and like a full show designed for it and a banner and like you know down to like everything we were really so we used to, like, a good friend of mine used to do a uh, front house for us. And uh, we had a guitar tech and we got a bit obsessed about trying to make everything as clean as possible and, like, no cables anywhere and, like, probably spent more time designing that than actually writing songs and <laughs> practicing. <laughs> That's carried into fold a bit as well because, like, if you look at your, like, live setup. Yeah. As well as, like, the music videos and stuff you've done, like, the high kind of quality of production for them. Yeah, like, when, so after the winter, we kind of called the winter tradition a day when I was 28, so, like, about three years ago now. And David, who's the singer in Folder, um, and I'd been kind of, I mean, I'd worked with David on like his solo stuff before and just really liked his, uh, well, his songwriting for a start and his voice. You know, I thought it was like definitely like one of the best guys around. So kind of like got chatting to him about writing songs and that's how we started Folder, which is him and I writing, like bouncing ideas off each other and trying to write. We were trying to write pop music from like a guitar based background. We'd all be always both of us always played in like rock bands and guitar stuff and we um so we tried to push ourselves out of that comfort zone a wee bit and write pop music and a big part of that for me was trying to like if i was going to start another band i wanted to start it like fresh slate and have everything kind of exactly the way we want it from the beginning yeah so a lot of that was kind of again with the music videos we knew stuart bredner um who did all our last band's stuff so we already had a strong connection there with him he's great he's done lots of great stuff so we called upon him and he did a great music video for us and we had all the live stuff down. We had we used the same lighting engineer that we all had for the last band and it kind of fell into place pretty quickly, which was quite nice. And we could almost, we wanted to try and jump to a, a pretty decent size of production show as our first show. Yeah. So we had a full lighting rig for our first show. We had, we tried to make it as like professional, I guess, as possible. And I'm really into all the geeky stuff about trying to work out how to sync lights to drums or, you know, stuff like that. Like. Where about was the first show? The first show we ever played was actually in Aberdeen, supporting the Daikinis. If oh, you remember them, you're probably yeah. too young as well. It's, it's showing my age now. Um, so we had our first, so these were, we'd booked our first headline show um, at the Mash House in Edinburgh. So that's like a, I think it's like a 300 cap 
venue or just under 300 cap. Yeah, it's about that, I think. Um, yeah. And we'd all played there before in various different bands and we knew this sort of how it was going to work. So we booked that and then got offered these two shows with the Daikinis um, beforehand. So we kind of used them as like tester runs of the, the set. So it was the Tunnels in Aberdeen was the very first one. It's a good venue to kind of, it probably suits your sound quite well yeah. as well. Yeah, and we know, like, again, Ross, the booker up there, we've known him for years. So it was kind of, although it was a new band, we'd already, we knew everyone up there, and it was kind of, yeah, it just felt kind of natural to to do that, you know, it was, and it was, yeah, it was a good show, we got to play in front of a sold-out audience for our first show, which was, looking back, probably quite, um, could have gone wrong, (laughs) but, (laughs) but yeah, it went well, and it, it kind of got everyone into, I mean, we'd been rehearsing for, We'd probably had the songs written and rehearsed for about a year before we actually played, but we just wanted to, as I said, like iron out everything and kind of almost have it be perfect. Yeah, like try, we we'll try and be as as good as we can be, so we didn't have to sort out. You know, we 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 like to have thought we'd sorted out all the stuff before actually coming out live. Had you recorded anything before? Yeah, you for a show, yeah. So the way David and I write is actually um, in front of a computer, so we kind of record the songs as we're writing them, which is. It takes a while to do, but it means that, you know, we've got the songs recorded after we finish writing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's and a lot of our like live stuff. It's not really a band that we can all get in a room together and like jam. jam I hate I hate yeah. the word jam, but like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a lot of it's computer based stuff, and it's a lot about the sounds and the production which, of it. As yeah, well. the, which we create on a computer, and then it's about it's definitely about how to how we bring that live rather than all in a room trying to create something live. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I guess a lot of it's about the atmosphere as well. Yeah. Like with the, that kind of music, you almost create like a, a world, like a sonic soundscape, and then yeah, kinda yeah, a lot of that, a lot of the folder stuff starts with like, and um, we'll be messing around on a synth and just come over like a come across a a good sound, and that'll like inspire us to to write something on that sound, and that'll just like usually just ends up being a layer underneath it, or like even just like a drone that goes through the whole song, but it's kind of inspired the whole track. But it does take a while doing it that way because. It doesn't sound like a song straight away, you know. If you're in a band in a room with a band, you can make it sound like music quite quickly because you've yeah. got guys there doing it. And so, um, is it tougher to translate it to live though? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, it's quite. It's that was one of the biggest tasks that we we had after when we when we decided to do it as a band because initially we didn't know if we were going to do it as a band or we were just going to write music and just release music or if we were even going to play it live. But we kind of liked the idea of doing um, pop music but played by a band. It was quite a task to try and figure out what, we, like, what a what equipment we needed to do it, and then how the hell we were going to do it, and <laughs> without spending a million pounds yeah. on it, you know. How long did it take you to kind of crack it? And figure out? Um, it was probably like six to nine months to try and like cool. from like start to finish of like, okay, this is what we think we need, and trialing stuff and be like, actually, no, we don't need that. We need this instead, and building it all up because we, I mean, we'd worked with the last band. We were doing a lot bigger shows, obviously, but we we'd kind of gone through stages to get to where we wanted. And as I said before, like we wanted Folded to almost start it where that ended in terms yeah. of like production. So we were all on in-ear monitors before, which is like, I don't know if you know what they are, but like... Makes a massive difference. Yeah, yeah and it's... Click and stuff, yeah. Exactly. So our, all our, we played to a click live. Like everything is done to a click. It's just so tight. And it's, it means the... So that was an important part of how we sync everything together. Folder as well for me was a sort of like just a way to experiment with equipment and see what could be done so we've got it so that we're self-contained in one rack unit it's quite a large rack unit but everything's in there with all our in-ear monitors all our amps all the everything to do with the synths everything and we can it runs off a pro tool session so i can basically press play on a pro tool session and it will run through our full set and everything changes all our amps change sounds automatically all the synths change sounds we send midi code to our lighting guy who gets he can then start sequences which are going to be in time with our click so it just makes it a bit more, a bit easier to kind of sync everything together, which is quite important in that style of music. I think like folder shows totally different when you don't have lights. Like it's quite a lot about the atmosphere and quite and just enhancing the music. Almost yeah, and well. it's like it's definitely it's almost like if you go to a club and just like the lights are on, it's not the same. You know, like yeah, weird experience. Yeah. <laughs> so we we had that in the back of our minds constantly about like so if we're going to do shows, it needs to be like over the top. We don't really mind if we're playing to a hundred people or a thousand people. Like it needs to be the same level of show how does that work for festivals because you, you've done belladrum we've done belladrum and we did so we've done expo north 
Um, we played. We're lucky enough to play the BBC introducing stage at Expo North um, at the Ironworks, which was great. We did obviously for festivals. We can't bring the same. The the rig comes with us, but not the lights and everything. I mean, the odd opportunity that we do get to bring a lighting engineer is we don't get to bring our full lights up. You know, it's yeah, like a condensed version. It's a condensed version, and it's like it's making the most of what's what's there. That's why I kind of wanted to get everything like synced up, so it means that it's very easy to do. You know, it could be the case of just bringing two lights along with us and it's all run off um, the same session so it, they just operate themselves. So it's almost like it doesn't take any time or space to set up. So that was the sort of idea behind it all and we wanted to make sure that we had all that, well, it was possible to do it and also how to do it on a budget basically because we, yeah. we were a new band, we, we don't have any money behind us, we don't have a label, we don't have, you know, we're just doing it ourselves just for fun really. But I guess that's when it helps So you've been able to produce everything and get it sounding yeah. exactly how you yeah, want. Yeah, yeah, it's, 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 yeah, I don't think it would, it would be very hard to do it if it were, if we weren't doing it ourselves, you know. And I'm like the type of person that will stay up late trying to figure out this one wee thing, how to connect this in like borderline OCD on, on everything like that. Yeah. But I enjoy it, so it's, it's kind of like. Do you like struggle to switch off when you leave the mm-hmm. studio? Yeah. yeah, yeah, all the time. I have not switched off in years. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, that's, that's, it's a it's a good and a bad thing because it's you enjoy it so much that it doesn't feel like you need to switch off it's only when you like you know you've been at it for months without a day off and then when you do get a day off and you manage to switch off you realize like you how much to do yeah and how, how intense it's been and you're like okay that was actually quite good to have a a day of you know taking a dog for a walk and not having to think of music the whole time yeah but it's still in the back of your brain i think that's just being a musician though I mean, you, what, you must be in like what ten to five, pretty much every day. Uh, yeah, set, like I try and keep sessions to kind of as close to ten to five as possible, which doesn't always, well, mostly not work out. But like I try and keep a, I do try and keep a life outside the studio, just so I have another, you know. Yeah. And it's good to get away from it. You can definitely over like burn yourself out, and you end up not enjoying it as much as you you should be. But yeah, it's 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 mainly ten to five. But I've been, you know, sometimes we'll. We'll do sessions that start at six o'clock at night until. What time does that go on until? Whenever, <laughs> especially with the folder stuff. Like I've I've got the folder guys coming in after this actually, and we're going to work on some new songs. But you know, like we've all got girlfriends and wives at home, and uh, you know we've got to get home at some point. It's and try and balance it. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's healthy as well. You know, you can. I definitely I'm a. If I don't tell, keep on telling myself that, I'll just keep on going. Yeah. And then end up burning myself out, and you know. I mean, you lose all sense of time in here as well. Yeah, like, it's kind of. It's a nice room, but yeah, no yeah. windows. So if you took the, the clocks away, it's almost like a torture room. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that it's like really quite... Days must go by quite quick. Though. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a good thing and a bad thing. It's a good thing because there's no distractions. You know, you're not looking outside and you, you have no idea if there's like a, you know, World War III is going on outside. <laughs> which is good, but it's, yeah, it's, it's bad because it's, it's not great for your, uh, your health. <laughs> it, yeah. But... It can be good to isolate yourself when you're making something, though, to just kind of yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, by it. I guess it's the closest thing to getting away from, I guess, your life. <laughs> like as a musician coming in and just like this is what you're doing. It's not you're trying to um, get away from the outside world, and it's because we're so near. You know, we're in Edinburgh, and we're quite near the city centre and stuff. It's not. It's not like going to a cottage away in the middle of nowhere. But it's almost like that version of it, as close as you can get without yeah. literally doing that. How do you like maintain a focus when you're in the studio? Can you just turn it? <clears throat> on and off straight away or do you have does it take a moment for you to kind of become focused on what you're working on um no like i'm just kind of programmed into like when i'm in here it's this is what we're doing and we're you know it's focus in the studio is quite an odd thing because it's there's focus on the work but there's also like you need to focus on the people you're working with as well and it's quite important to like you know take breaks and chat to the band you're working with sometimes you're thrown into a session where you know, I've done a lot of sessions where it's just been one person in, in the room if I'm building up like a, a pop track for for an artist or whatever. And I, I've never met them before. And it can be quite intense and hard to, well, to find common ground with these people that, you you know, you've never met them before and you're straight into making music. So it's good to kind of, you know, get to know people and like that's all part of it as well. Do advantages come from that though, like the first time you meet someone, do you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like it's it can sometimes be quite scary because you don't know how you're going to work together. And, you know, some people just don't, like, gel. Not not in the sense that you don't like each other, but, you know, just, like, you're not gelling with ideas or whatever. And thankfully, I mean, that's not happened a lot. Um, but it's always, it is a bit scary sometimes when you've never worked with a band or, or specifically an artist, if it's just one person, because it's, it's a bit more intense, you might not do things that they like. 
Yeah. I imagine they could get like frustrated at points. Like if you've got an idea that you're like really passionate about and you bring it to an artist and they maybe just don't find yeah. it or whatever. Yeah, I guess so. And the thing is, I think it's important to remember that you're, if you're producing a track, you're, you're working on their track. It's still their track at the end of the day. I, I, I think like as producers, we need to give our um, opinions over and show them ideas, but it's, it's their choice at the end of the day of what they want to do with it because it is, it's their music. And you know, like if if I've if I think I've come up with a really cool thing in the chorus and they don't like it, I'll try and talk them around to it. But if they're really not into it, then it's it's, it's not going on the track. You know, it's kind of, yeah. oh, we'll try and tweak it slightly so they like it more or, or whatever. But yeah, trying to, and that's what's good about working with a lot of repeat customers as well because, you you know how each other work and you know like, you build up a relationship exactly, and you know where you can push them and where not to push them. You know, um. It's quite hard to gauge, um, for instance, singers. If it's the first time you've met the singer and working with a singer, you don't know how hard to push them. And you don't know what is their best take. You know, like it's very, it's a very fine line between like pushing a singer to get the best take or like pushing a singer to like ruin their voice and like yeah. them to hate the song. And like, what is it they say? Is it take three? It's always, but so not take yeah. one, you don't get it. Take yeah. two you kind of get it take three you get it but you don't realize you've got it yeah take four it's not and you end up going back there's a lot a lot of times that you end up you know you're in take 100 and you're like i think take one was the best (laughs) but that's i mean that's something i learned quite early on is just record everything like you don't know if we're doing a guide vocal so like at the start of the day what what i'll get bands to do is put down a guide track of some sort so let's say it's a pop artist that has let's say the main song is written over a piano we'll track a piano like via keyboard midi not really worry about the sound at all and then i'll get them to go into the vocal booth and track a vocal and i'll set that up so it's a real vocal like i'll put a good mic on them and you know isolate them all and make sure it's all sounding good because you never know what you're going to get in that vocal tape and that's when they're not thinking about it as well or if you use like the the guide sometimes yeah like parts of it or i'm pretty sure there was a um a forest fires track that we did on the last album that uh, scott went in and did a guide vocal and I'm pretty sure it's the it's the vocal take that is actually used. I'm pretty sure it's the track Hollywood. It's like it's. So I think it's like one of their best tracks. It's like really short, in your face. Like this is like what a we're raw about. vocal take. That yeah. You got. And I guess um, it's like when you hear about bands using parts from demos, like mm-hmm. in the yeah, like the I think it was the last Catholic Action song that came out was just done in his bedroom. Yeah. And they went into a studio and tried to do it and didn't sound the same. Yeah. So they just kept that. One. Yeah. yeah. Like Fallout Boy as well. Why not? That song, uh, thanks for the memories. Yeah, yeah, half that's like done on Garage Band, like yeah. from the demo. Well, that's that's the thing. I mean, like it's all about the vibe of it and what is what it sounds like. As long as there's not something like wrong with it, like it's distorting too much. Even that could be cool. You know, it doesn't. There's no right or wrongs in it. But if you've captured something, it's sometimes it's you know the weirdest takes or the the take that's got. I mean, I've had people do takes with you know like chewing gum in their mouth, and you can hear chewing gum all over it. But it's a really good take, and we've got the vibe of it, and it's like, does it matter? Is that a talking point of the song? And people are like, oh, that's quite cool. Like, why have they done that? Or, you know. I guess it comes back to the musical about honesty. Yeah. And that you've got to just try and get the most honest and, like, real sounding take. Yeah. And that's, that's totally, like, genre specific because, like, especially in pop music, like, you, you're going for, like, an artificially good take, if you know what I mean. Like, nobody sings like that from start to finish. You know, that's built yeah. up. And it's quite obvious it's built up from multiple takes. And there's, like, a word taken from this take and that take. And, that that works in a sort of really processed song, but you know if you're doing like a an acoustic, like really intimate thing, that's not going to work. You, yeah, okay, there might be a duff note somewhere or something that's not quite right, but that's what makes it cool. You know, that's that's what gives it a bit of personality. And I think pop music is going back to sort of that as well. It's becoming less a computer doing it and more about a performance, and that's what kind of makes it different from the track that came before it and after it. You know, I mean, it must be tough as well because a studio is it's quite an artificial environment. Yeah. So how do you like create an environment in a studio then where people feel like they can kind of get that um, honesty out? Again, that, it comes with practice for bands. You know, like the bands that I've worked with for ages, just this is a comfortable environment for them. But yeah, if they've never been in before or whatever, like it's just about making them feel comfortable. And yeah, like maybe the guitarist has never played in the room with me when the amps are all next door and everything we're recording to a track as I moved on the drums and bass already. I think it's just a case of like, you know, just making them feel comfortable, making them feel like it's, it's good to try and get it to sound as good as quickly as possible so they can see okay that's why we're doing this oh that does sound better when we double track this or like yeah it's just about being comfortable and that's i try and make this place as comfortable as possible like i want things everything's 
accessible and like you can I like to think that it looks like you can pick up a guitar at any time and you know use things rather than it's not like a display cabinet where everything's like hidden behind yeah well it does feel like quite a warm environment I was sitting it now you can see the guitar just kind of sitting out yeah and I keep everything like live and as quickly accessible as possible I always keep my drums there and mic'd up and they're they're within a minute we can get it going the same with the vocal I've got a separate booth at the back that all the vocals are done in which is again it's all hooked up ready to go the guitars all the amps are they're not on but they're you know within minutes we can get going and that's that's quite a I feel it's quite a good workflow because you can jump and change between things if we do a drum track and then you know it's three o'clock and we're on to guitars and oh this fill doesn't really work with this the drums are still there and hot back on yeah i'll, I'll keep it all like running as live as i can to be like right let's fill in that that snare doesn't work there the, the snare fill doesn't work there let's switch it to a tom fill here or whatever have you had bands write in the studio before yeah a couple of them i mean that's there's i think there's writing in the studio and then there's um like tweaking in the studio unless you've got a really long time writing in the studio is very hard unless you're like a band and a record deal yeah you and you've got months in a studio yeah. that's the dream isn't it yeah <laughs> But like I, I like when bands come in and they know they know what they're doing. Maybe they've got ninety percent of it done, as in like they they've got the song done and it sounds cool. They know what the parts. Everyone's kind of worked out stuff, and we're just kind of um, listening to it and maybe rearranging the song in some way. If there's like a a break after the first chorus, it doesn't need to be there. Stripping that out, or you know, kind of cutting the Tightening bits. It up. That, yeah, and then working like re-recording it all, but working on the sounds. They they already know how to gel together and they know rough ideas of you know the guitar needs to have delay on this part and chorus on this part or whatever and we're kind of like helping them through that and then writing harmonies or writing other guitar parts to supplement the guitar parts they've got there or even adding in like if they're a guitar band i guess since starting fold down like getting into that mindset i've like i love pop production like to me that's just what it's what what it should sound like it's like really quite in your face and like shiny and you, you can know. hear that come through the music though that kind of sense of passion and like love yeah it. and I tr- even for a rock band i'll try and be like right look let's try and like i know it's all guitars in this band but let's, let's try like a layer underneath the guitars and see what it sounds like of, of like a synth or like a really brutal subby bass i mean synth. pop production is often the most interesting i completely agree like there's pop as a genre is so wide like you know you can have um a hook on a saxophone on a synth on a guitar yeah. on a vocal on a chopped up thing you know it can I mean, be anything Tim and yeah the pop artist like. yeah it's it's incredible like it's it's so interesting and there's no rules and that's why i like about it and i think rock bands are moving and they have been moving towards that for ages even bands like bring me the horizon and stuff like that are all like, yeah that's pop production completely um, and it sounds great but it can be cool to see how it like translates and like meshes together yeah you can get really in- interesting like juxtapositions between like a rock band yeah and pop production yeah i remember really like well. probably the first time that i'd heard something similar to that was like really old enter shikari stuff and Such like a good band yeah and it would be like a really heavy band but then all of a sudden it'd be like a trance synth come out of nowhere and you'd be like what the hell is that and it was so interesting that and whether you like them or not is another thing but it's the production on it's like great and the way they've worked that in is so interesting I mean, they've got pop melodies often like at the heart of their choruses yeah 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 and it's just i mean a good song is a good song you dress it up in different ways and it's it's still a good song and it's i guess production is the same like you can produce a song in so many different ways and if it's a good song it'll you know you're you're serving the production towards the song of whatever vibe the band wants to go down or whatever you think it should go when you're listening to music now is it spoiled it a bit yeah yeah you must be listening out for everything like Lots of people ask, like, what music do you listen to? And it's like, I, I don't listen to any music. <laughs> like, <laughs> I try and not listen to music when I'm listening to music. But, yeah, there's always an idea. You hear something, even watching TV shows, and you hear music, and you're like, that's a really cool thing. And you've always got Shazam open, being like, who's done that? And, like, trying to, like, I like the chord progression here, or I like what they've done in Middle Eight and this bit. And well, you've we done stuff for TV as well, haven't you? Do you not do, like, STV and... Yeah, I, used, and I did. Like um, yeah, again, with my last band... The winter tradition we we were approached by a agency um that wanted to use one of our tracks for a this is edinburgh campaign thing that was on stv and channel four and um lots of other things as well so that was really interesting to do they, they wanted to use our track but they wanted you know they, they had strict sort of um things that I had to abide by so we had to we end up having to re-record it and speed up the tempo slightly and that so it's quite cool to i mean this was years ago now this was like six or seven years ago i think um but at that time that i'd never done anything like that before so i was kind of they were like can you do that and i was like yep <laughs> trying to like go on google to be like how the hell did <laughs> so but it yeah it got it was on the, it got played for about a year and a half i think on um, cool. 
on the sort of prime time adverts between like Coronation Street or something like that. <laughs> and uh, it was quite weird because, you know, you'd be watching something on like 4OD or something and then our up. song would pop up and we were like, that's still weird. But it was cool. It was, it was, I learned a lot from doing that and just working for, for people that weren't bands. You know, they, they, it gives you a different perspective, I guess. Yeah, and just like kind of learning how to talk to people that maybe don't necessarily understand music as much as people in bands do or thinking of it in a different way, you know, and trying to translate what they're trying to mean. Did that ever carry over at the stuff you do with bands as well? Uh, yeah, I guess so. I mean, it's, I mean, most most bands are all on the same page and then they, you know, if we say that needs to be more, I mean, a classic one that everyone hears is like, oh, that needs to be warmer or whatever, but everyone knows in bands what what that means. Whereas if you said that to some guy that was doing like a TV advert, they, they might take something different from that. So it was, yeah, it was a, a bit tough to try and translate and also for them to translate what I was trying to say. Have you ever done anything like a film or like an, a TV show as opposed to an advert? Or? No, we did. I mean, quite a lot of the songs I've produced have been used in TV shows, but I've never like, um, the only thing I've done for like composition for things was I did a thing for Mercedes years ago. They had like, I can't remember what the car is now. It was an SLS. I'm not it's a like car guy. I'm not yeah, sure. it was like, their, it's like their really top end uh, sports car. It was my friend that was doing a video for them. And um, he was like, oh, um, maybe you can get involved in, I've, I have to create like a, it was just an online advert um, thing for them. He was going to create a video for them and he was, wanted me to try and do something with the audio. So we got, we went out to Mercedes in Edinburgh and literally got to play with this like quarter of a million pound car <laughs> for a day. So I recorded like lots of sounds off it. Have you ever seen the We Buy Any Car advert where it's like all the sounds of the door shutting? And stuff yeah, like that? yeah. So we basically did that before that was, oh, <laughs> before that came out. And it was kind of, yeah, so we made a, we basically made a, a wee song out of the car sounds from the, from the car. And so they used that. And then we did a couple other things as well where it was like composition work for car adverts and stuff like that. But that was quite fun. It's, it's quite fun to write within a brief and know where your boundaries are and know that they want it to sound more like this and not like this. And, you're not you're being creative but you're not being totally creative if you know what i mean like you have got lines that you need to be in and so that was something totally different but i've, I've not done much of that work in in a while now yeah no i was because i was listening to when i was on the way over i was listening to the last fold ap mm-hmm. straight after i listened to like the billy eilish bond theme that just came out mm-hmm. and i was kind of trying to think like what would i fold the fold the bond theme <laughs> that'd be quite fun like. actually yeah so yeah i guess that's that's kind of similar isn't it like writing within a brief it has to sound a certain way and stuff but that track's cool like that's the Billy Eilish yeah one. yeah I think it is a good song yeah and I wasn't a big fan of the what was it the Sam Smith one before yeah it? yeah did you hear the one Radiohead did though for like the last one yeah they didn't get yeah I yeah I thought it was a better song yeah than, yeah uh, I think so as well. one. it's always hard to do something like that because you're gonna if someone loads of people are gonna hate it whatever you yeah. do and loads of people are gonna love it and it's it's just the horrible world we live in now with like people. everyone's got a voice yeah exactly you used to have to like obviously write a letter to complain but now, yeah. that you now it's on to twitter pick it up and, and yeah. type for like two seconds and i know like, it's awful but like that's yeah you've got to please everyone or try and please everyone and that's why but it's uh, a pain made in a yeah like a massive band because you must just get so much oh yeah i completely it's you know it's quite funny how bands kind of like strive to get to like fame i guess and then once you're there it's i can imagine it's quite a horrible place to view at points you know yeah well i guess it's like that the elliot smith mm-hmm. his lyric everybody's dying just to get the disease yeah yeah, yeah. fame like yeah I know, and it's, I, I don't know if you've seen the new Taylor Swift documentary, it's on Netflix. I'm not a massive yeah, so Taylor Swift fan. Well, either, well I, I mean, again, I like the production on it, but like, you know, there's it's quite a, it's a point in that where she's like, um, waiting to hear if she's been nominated for, for whatever Grammys or whatever. And um, she, she isn't, and she was last year, and she's like absolutely gutted and stuff. And it's a constant, like musicians are like one of the only people that are constantly under, like being compared and being put up for this and, you know, compared to stuff you've done before or like... Um, you're only as good as your last song yeah exactly yeah and it's it's it could be horrible like, yeah i could try and stay in that yeah i wouldn't want to yeah be famous yeah well yeah it must be horrible <laughs> <laughs> when did you so you've been in here what is it 10 years in this room and i've been doing in here for about probably about five and a half but i was i had uh, my first studio was actually my parents house so i like they were kindly enough to like give me yeah, bedroom studio. Yeah, it was like their front sort of dining room thing that which had like a conservatory off it, and I built or like kind of made a, a studio in there, which is was almost probably about the same size as this room here, but that was like the full studio. So I tracked everything in there, like drums, guitars, right there. And you have a lot of folk that work from like outside their front rooms, though. Yeah, and again, it's not 
you know, this this could quite easily be your bedroom. You know, it's not. That must be worse for switching off, though. Like it's it's in your house. You can yeah. be. You don't even have to like go home. Like you can yeah. be in there. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's exactly what I didn't like about working. I was a lot younger then, but also I didn't feel like it was a proper job. When I moved in here, I was like, okay, this is like a proper job now, and like you've got you your know, proper kind of workspace. Yeah, and it's it's cool to to shut the door and come away from it. Yeah, and try and switch off. What sort of stuff do you do to switch off? Uh, take the dog for a walk. Um, I'm really into cars, so driving lots and not much. Should probably do more. <laughs> I mean, it takes up a lot of time. We're usually knackered. Get home and sleep. Wake up and do it all again. I don't play do any sports or anything. Goals that you kind of set yourself in a year to like work towards. Yeah, like, I mean, I um, yeah, to a certain extent. I mean, I mean, we discussed before we switched the mics on about like my years quite um set quite far in advance. So like. Booked up, which is which is great. Um, but sometimes it's quite it's you can forget to plan for things. You know, it's very easy just to let that continue on. And yeah, you're right. Like sometimes you need to say stuff like, okay, this year I want to, whether that's like you know, buying more equipment or like change something that you're doing or change it up a bit. Yeah, I guess um, you've got to constantly evolve the setup to kind of keep up. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, you've got, um, you've got to constantly find the sound that people are after. Bands like the 1975, which is always brought up everywhere, but like they, they're quite a good one to watch for because you know you can guarantee that 20 bands that you'll be working with that year will want a sound similar to them or whatever they're doing on their new album. You're like that vocal effect's really cool. How'd you get it? And you need to know. Oh, that's this. You know, you need to do a lot of research. I mean, I'm I'm constantly on YouTube watching stuff about how they've created this and how this, not just the 1975, but like everyone. What other bands? What are the kind of top bands people come in and say? What's something like this? So the 1975 was a big one. And they still they still are a big one. Arctic Monkeys was a big one as well when they came out. Um, pop stuff like people like Halsey and there was an Imagine Dragons phase for a while with that sort of big. They're an interesting band production wise yeah, as well. They, are, yeah. they sound massive. Right? Yeah, but without that much go- going on, you know, it's like quite it's very well thought out stuff. What's the the second album they did? Is it Smoke and Mirrors or something? It's called? Yeah, I think so. It's a cool, it's cool album yeah. production wise. There's a lot of interesting stuff going on. And Bonnie Ver as well is a big one. Like he's a good example of like it doesn't have to sound like specifically his first album doesn't have to sound great for it to be great. Like there's technically you could probably pick that record apart and be like that doesn't sound great there or that's slightly out of tune there or whatever. But there's something about that album that's just where it just works. You know, and I he, guess it comes down to good songs. Like yeah, if you have a exactly. solid structure and songwriting. And just the feel of it, you know, it's, it feel, it puts you in a place and you're like... It's an intimate it's, record. Like, yeah. It's quite... Yeah, yeah. Can, and even like his yeah. later stuff, like people are still like, oh, how, how's that vocoder sound? And I'm like, I don't know, I wish I knew. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, It's the same with Royal Blood, managing to get a bass to sound like a guitar. Yeah. Like, yeah, well, that was another one. Royal Blood was like quite a... Um, you know, when all the two pieces came out and... Um, Black Keys as well, I guess. Yeah. yeah. But the 1975 have been one that's kind of stayed through everything you know because they'll re- almost reinvent for every album and like stay relevant and i guess to a certain extent coldplay as well i really like their new record that came yeah and I'd, I'd, there's a lot of hate for coldplay but actually you know they're very good at what they do in production wise it's always impeccable yeah I yeah you can't fault it at all i love the first three albums mm-hmm. and then the last album yeah. the ones in between yeah i mean there's and... yeah there's the songs on it that, that that have done well off it and in the songs that you're like okay that's definitely an album track but they know what they're doing and they know what they're trying to where they're trying to get to, and I mean, probably the no, maybe not the biggest band in the world. Or? Probably, yeah. I'd say, yeah. Um, I don't know if you've seen their documentary. That's quite an interesting one. Wait, they've done. They do one after like every album. Yeah, the, the yeah. one that was on um, uh, Amazon Prime. I think it's their latest one. I need to watch. Is that the one about a head full of dreams? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it wasn't the stage show for that like mental. Yeah. Yeah. And they were just like, "What? What do we do now? Like, we've literally done. We've done the biggest thing we can ever do." Well, they didn't tour the last record, did they? Yeah. Because no. of climate change. Yeah. I know. And. That and also, I think that well, what I took home from the the documentary that they had was that they can never top it. They can't top it, so they're not there. And again, maybe that's due to like their own personal need to like strive to be better or whatever, or the people being like that wasn't as good as the last one. Yeah, and when it costs you like millions of pounds to be on a show, well, didn't they do like a few shows where it cost them millions and they didn't make any money on the show? Probably, but they yeah. broke even and that was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can imagine. I mean, their show is insane. If money wasn't no issue, like I, that's what Folder shows would be like. <laughs> I would try and well, the 1975, I kind of done that as well with a massive. Um... That stage show was incredible. I was so gutted. I was uh, had I was meant to be on the guest list for their when they were in Glasgow, and for some reason something fell through last minute or whatever and didn't uh, oh, didn't make it. And been there quite a few times as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, and I mean I've seen videos of it. And it's, it's, yeah, 
I was at that show. It was pretty. Yeah, it's a game changer. With like, it looked like multiple different sets. You know, with like, they're really clever with the way they use their visuals and all the blocks and like the. Then it's how do you screens. go above that as well? Well, yeah, like, they can't can better do that. that again. Yeah, like, they can't do it again. And how are you going to better that? I mean, I'm sure they'll figure a way out. I mean, they had a. a treadmill through it <laughs> what, are they gonna have two treadmills now or like i don't know like it's unless you yeah. like a three six well what was it you two did like a three sixty one yeah well it's actually the banner is like in the middle i think so yeah the audience around, around them. them yeah how does that work though i don't know I don't surely know some people are gonna good. be facing the back of the band yeah and where do you put the pa or is there a like multiple i remember and shikari doing like a 360 tour where they had like 360 sound tour um where they set up like the pa throughout the whole of the venue and they had stuff panning around the whole thing and I think it's very much of like a. Does like, it sound better or what's? The, I what's never the saw it, but I wouldn't it. have thought so. Yeah. Because that's totally dependent on where you're standing in the audience. I mean, even in a room where it's not a 360 pa, mm-hmm. the sound can vary massively oh, totally, depending yeah. on where you're standing. That's that's. I mean, I could never get into live sound purely because of that. I, that would stress me out. Yeah, I would hate it. <laughs> yeah, it must be so tricky in the middle of a show as well because you've no idea what it sounds like. Yeah. yeah. It could sound different on stage. It could sound different yeah. when you're on the sound desk, and it could sound different in the middle. Yeah, of yeah you just that's that's these guys are like you know they've been doing it for years and they're trained into and they just have to, you know, it's just experience and they know they know what they're yeah. doing. <laughs> Do you have a sound engineer that you stick to for folder? Or? Yeah, we try we try to stick to um, one of my good friends, Liam. You want someone who knows the sound, and yeah, knows what you want. Yeah, and he he's we've worked with him for years with the last band as well, and like, um, yeah, he's a good friend, so he, he knows like. I would trust him with our sound. Did you ever look at getting into doing live sound or were you always no, going to be a producer? I hate live sound. I, the, the, it really stresses me out thinking about not getting another shot at it. Like in the studio, I always say to bands, like, you know, some people come in and they freak out in the studio and it's like, this isn't the time to freak out. Like, we've got as many takes as we want. We can edit this to hell. We can do this. Do it till you get it right. It's live. You need to freak out because you've got one chance at it. And it's the same on the other side from, you know, doing live sound. You, if you mess up or... Have you had a bad show before? Or with folder yeah yeah <laughs> just technical difficulties technical or? difficulties yeah like that must be even more frustrating though because it's not something you're doing it's just something you don't have any control yeah over i mean that, wrong. i stupidly updated my laptop which has all our stuff on it like a week before a folder show and i'd thought i'd ironed all all this stuff and we ended up having to change interfaces really quickly and stuff because my old interface wouldn't work with it again and all this sort of stuff and thought it so our rehearsal room right above my studio and we were due to rehearse that evening or whatever and I had to fold a like session running for seven hours on a loop to see if it would crash and it was fine. It was all Didn't good. Crash. Went upstairs, rehearsed it, crashed on the like during the first song whilst we were doing it. So I was like, What like how has that happened? And I was like, Well, that's just a one off. Then we had to show the next day or whatever and during soundcheck crashed again. Oh. And that's when I was like, Right, this is like this is an issue. And uh, it crashed twice uh, during the set. And it was in Edinburgh, it was like a Hometown uh, show. A hometown like headline show with like 300 people there and scarily enough like because my wife and a lot of our friends were in the audience and they're like honest with us like I'd, I've always said like be honest with your feedback because it's the only way that we'll get feedback you know don't just say oh that was amazing it was the best thing ever because it wasn't and uh, I was like did you even notice and she was like no so I was like that's frightening though it's, yeah it's good like it's good that you didn't notice but what all that <laughs> like, work you put in and yeah, does it no matter when it crashes yeah. but um that's just th- that's just because we don't have the budget to run like a dual system that can switch to another one or you know yeah. how no, do you what did you do when it did crash and we just stage? had to finish the song it, luckily it was at the end of a song like the last sort of 30 seconds or whatever it crashed it the the best bit it could have probably so at least it was being kind of considerate but uh no it's <laughs> That's the only downside about, well, one of the downsides about doing like a, I guess, an electronic thing that, that you rely on um, technology for yeah. is that that might happen. Does but. playing live like change the way you think about recording things and producing things? Um, I don't think so. Like, I think, I mean, songwriting wise, maybe like, especially, well, for folder stuff, we'll, we'll think about how, like, you know, we'll rate a song that we're like, okay, when we do this live, this can be a part that um, the lights can go off at this point. You know, like it's quite, we think about the whole thing as a full. As a whole. As a whole, yeah. So yeah, I guess so. But maybe that's us thinking about, like we've already done the song and thinking about the produ- the, the live show afterwards. I'm, I'm not really sure, but we try and think of it as a whole and try and get like, I wanted like smells and stuff like that to come out. And like, kind of like and, and yeah, 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 like I'm really into that. I remember seeing Bonnie Ver like um, a while ago when he was doing the Bonnie Ver album one with Perth on it and stuff like it was really the set I mean it was I mean they had loads of people on stage it was huge 
and the set they had the stage supporting them which was really cool but when they came off stage the whole set like changed and you could tell it was their show and even it it smelled different they must have like lit incense or in i don't know what they did but i was just like this is cool like i always think the aim of a show is like you know people have been to the mash house loads of times and seen a band but you want people to remember your show like how it transformed in some way like not I, just another I saw, band uh, Gengar at Tuts the other night and they had like plants and stuff on yeah. stage and like ferns and yeah and that's cool because you remember that and it didn't look like King Tuts usually does so it's yeah, like it's like cool your own stamp yeah which I, is uh, it's just as important as the music I think I think especially now when people have access to all music and you don't need to buy a record mm-hmm. you know people can access millions billions of songs mm-hmm. you need to find another way to stand out exactly and it's fun you know it's like it's just a different thing people are not there just to listen to you they're there to watch you and like you need to aid that it's almost like you know you put full in production into your music so why not do it to the the whole show you know it just um, adds another layer to it yeah and especially i think with like sort of pop stuff it needs to be like that is quite a big part in it and you know like bringing up like taylor swift or something again you go look at her shows i mean there's like a lot of money spent on that but it's like a performance you know you you're there to like watch it because otherwise you just listen to it on spotify or whatever it's weird going from that to like, like a, a four-piece band in Sneaky Pete's, though. Yeah. To the, the, the level, you know. Yeah, yeah. But there's not nothing to say in Sneaky Pete's why you can't... I mean, not to the same extent, but, like, try and do something different. Well, I know? was speaking to Craig on the last podcast because mm-hmm. we were both at the Cola gig. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's cool. a catwalk that yeah, came yeah. out. And why not? No, I've never seen anyone do that before. Yeah, yeah. It's so interesting. Exactly. And, and that's, that's what I would always encourage bands to do is, like, try and just, you know, do something cool. Yeah, like everyone's like bored of watching bands and sticky feet or whatever. So do something that's going to change it up. Um, that could be anything, you know. It's the same when we've got another Zine lunch coming up in July. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're doing like it's like a record shop above and below. You've got the venue mm-hmm. in Aberdeen, and I've been trying to figure out how do I do something different with the stage because mm-hmm. it's a fine stage, it's elevated, mm-hmm. but I want to make it look a bit interesting. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and that's what you. That's that's all part of playing live. I think, and that's or like if you're launching something or whatever, you need to. It's all an image. It's all a part of the same thing. And people will expect it from you, you know, like if they're a lot of it's about like giving a perception that you're bigger than you are as well. You know, that's quite that goes a long way. And and just believing that your band is, you know, if you if you've sold like, let's bring it back into Sneaky Beats. If you sold 90 tickets for Sneaky Beats, like you'd like own the place, you know, like, yeah, that's make it your show. This is like people are here to see you. Yes, yeah, 90 people, but that's all it holds. So like, this is your space for tonight and you try and do something different with it and make it as best as it can. Yeah, I guess it kind of ties back into what you're saying as well with Fold about how you wanted, you had it from the start, mm-hmm. the control and everything, like the image of it. Yeah, like that. are you quite yeah. into the business side as well, like with social media and everything? Um, yeah, um, I hate the business side of it, but it's again, it's like it's, it's a necessary evil. It's part of the parcel, yeah. And it's you know we we had we were lucky that we had a lot of contacts through just bands we've been in before, so we almost had the network to like we knew the people to speak to. To do it's like you've been working toward it for quite a while. Yeah, and people like Vic Galloway and stuff were like really um, good at playing our tracks like first, and like um, he was really into the band, and he named us ones to watch for last year, I think it was, which we ended up just releasing one song. In, but <laughs> <laughs> Have you got much else coming up soon? We're writing yeah. just now. Yeah, um, I mean, just life just got really busy, and like Fold is always a fun thing for us. Like we really enjoy doing it stuff, but it's a fun thing for us, you know. It's nice um, to have something like that, though. Yeah, that you can come to back to. And there's no, there's still pressure on it, but yeah. it, it's something where you can kind of relax and experiment well, that's a bit it. and have yeah. fun with it. And you, we didn't want it to be too stressful. And you know, music is stressful at points, but when it's getting too stressful, you need to try and change something up about it because it's, it's not your main, it's not a job for you, and it's, you're doing it for enjoyment. And yeah, cool. We'd all love to, you know, be successful and all the rest of it. But like realistically, we're doing it for fun, and like it needs to be fun. That's so, when the best stuff can come out, though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's no pressure, and you're just like, cool. This is what I want to do. Like, if people like it, cool. It's when people, you know, you get totally bogged down in it, and it's like, uh, yeah, it's it doesn't become funny. You must see like the full spectrum of bands coming here as well, where bands that take themselves really seriously, mm-hmm. and bands who do treat it yeah. a bit more like fun, and it's treat it seriously. But you you have to have fun doing it. Like, why are we why are we doing it if not? You know, nobody's forcing your arm to like make a record. It's like it's meant to be fun. Yeah, and you're right. Like that's when the best stuff comes out. It's just people making music and like you know putting their ideas down and it's not like that's what it is it's not about like oh we have to abide by this because this guy won't play this if we don't have this and then like it's good to be conscious of that because you 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 do have to kind of select a path you want to go down it's quite it's all about fun at the end of the day if you're not enjoying it then you need to do something to switch up to enjoy it again 
I think that's quite a good note to kind of wrap us up on. Before yeah, yeah. we go, though, I thought I'll have yeah, one yeah. last question. Mm-hmm. We spoke a bit about Bond earlier. Mm-hmm. Best Bond theme. Uh, Are you quite a big Bond guy? Or I mean, I've not? seen quite a lot of Bond films. I wouldn't say I'm a massive, huge fan. I don't know. I think the Adele one's quite good. Skyfall. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what about you? What do you think? What is it? 25 Bond films now? 26? I can tell you, yeah. I think it's, the next one's 25. Uh-huh. Uh, I actually really like um, you know the Chris Cornell one. Yeah, yeah. For uh, yeah, let's go. Yeah, Casino Royale. I'd yeah, like yeah. to hear them bring something back like that, like a bit rocky. But... Yeah, yeah. And the Billie Eilish one's good. The yeah. production on it's great. Like it's and, and everything it, she's done is yeah. is cool. Is it her? Is it Phineas that does all the production? Yeah, yeah. For... And there, there was a big thing about like how that one like what best production or or best recorded album or or oh, some award one. and um lots he people does it all in his bedroom. Yeah, doesn't he? some people, loads of people were kicking off. It's, it's, it can't be. It wasn't done in a proper studio and stuff. It sounds impeccable. Yeah, and it was. It was. Uh, I was watching a video the other day with uh, Tom Lord Algie, who's like a a big mixer, and he was like, it "Doesn't matter. Like, why does it matter? It was done in his bedroom. Like, what's that got to do with it? If it sounds good, it sounds good. It doesn't matter how how they got there. And I, I'd take that on board a lot with production devices. It doesn't matter how you get there. If it sounds good, it sounds good. Like, it doesn't doesn't matter if we've had to take 150 takes at this or reverse this and put a big boom sound underneath every snare or whatever it doesn't matter like if it sounds good it sounds good and yeah could you ever see yourself going back to home studio or um if i got a big enough house that i could <laughs> i could have a a decent the thing is like because i've been here for so long i'm really used to working in a space like this in a safe environment yeah, yeah. And, and i would miss the space if i if i went back to a smaller place i would miss it but yeah i mean like i would like if when i'm older a space where i could put a studio in and yeah go cool. But um, I'm pretty content here, you know, it's, it's, it's a nice place to be. And it just, the building needs to be warmer. <laughs> that's, my, that's my only issue with this. It's all right in here. It's fine I, in I here, yeah, it's just going to the toilet, you have to put yeah. a jacket on, you have to <laughs> wrap up for winter. But... Get the gloves and scarf on. Exactly. But, but yeah. But yeah. thank you very much for coming on, man. Yeah, I really no appreciate it and I enjoyed that. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Thanks. Cheers, man. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.